When it's all said and done. When the pads are all packed up. The refs have packed away the whistles. And the parking lots are empty. One show with three obsessive fans still want to have their say. And because this is Triple M, and because we really don't give a rat, we say, why the hell not? Rugby lose. Please welcome AH, Chris and Rose. We are in for something special tonight. This is the back row. Footy from the cheap seats on Triple M. The Everest. It's like the Bathurst Super Cheap Auto 1000 of horse racing. (laughs) But on a much flatter track than Mount Panorama. Mm. Welcome to Triple M's The Back Row with A.H. Chris and Rose. We're excited for the future of the Everest. It looks, it looks like it could become the second race to stop a nation. And it only takes 80 seconds, so it's not such a big hit on our nation's productivity. Right. Uh, we've always got to enrich capitalism, don't we? Rose, can you see yourself being drawn into the excitement, colour and massive collects, as H.G. Nelson would say, of the Everest as it takes off? Is that a horse race, Chris? Yes, it's a horse race. <laughs> right. Uh, well, no, I can't because apparently it's on a Saturday and I don't do horse races unless I miss half a day of work during the week to watch it. Okay, Julie noted. <laughs> AH, I'm not sure that horse racing really rings your bells and I believe not that quite. you're more interested in Triple M's Matty John's excursion to Everest Base Camp. Ooh. Would you be prepared to join him wearing a dragon's themed fascinator? Yeah, look, I'll wear the fascinator <laughs> if he'll wear the frock. And then, <laughs> and then we've got that horse racing experience, uh, two across one. Nice. One across two, rather. Rugby League and Frocks, it's a proud history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On tonight's show, we're going to have a look at the Everest. It turns out it's another Sydney-Melbourne thing. Shortly, we'll be hearing from Triple M's Anthony Maroon. We'll have him on the line, and he's going to give us a Triple M survival guide. Yay! And we'll also do some of our regular features, the Batch Wrap, where we pick apart the Bachelorette as though it's a series of six tackles. Yes. Which it is. <laughs> and we finally uh, do our Back Row of the Week, our last one for the season, where we pick our Rugby League teammates. You're on Triple M's The Back Row. Ugh. You're on Triple M's The Back Row with H, Chris and Rose. And it's a bit of an animal theme. That was Animal by Def Leppard. And mm. we are talking horse racing. Mm. This evening, a little thing different for us. And first of all, we have to send out a big shout-out to the winner of the $10 million Everest yesterday, Red Zell. Oh, congratulations, Red Zell. I think the horse was named after... Oh, it's the, the horse's name. I was like, that's the best name ever. It's a horse name, right? right. <laughs> well, I think the horse was named after the singer that was once dubbed by John Travolta, Adele Dezim. <laughs> Idina Redzel, she sang Let It Go from Frozen. Um, Have I got that right? You've completely lost yeah. me, Chris. Or is that Idina Menzel? I'm not quite sure. I will say this. I used to host a trivia show, a trivia night here in Sydney, and we had a segment called Horse or Band, where we'd read out a name, and you had to decide whether it was a race horse's name or a local indie band's name. It was great. I like that. <laughs> it's kind of like a... Uh, the full credit to the boys podcast they have porn star or athlete alright there you go Gunsind sorry Gunsind horse bless or band you. bless you horse or band <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say band it's a horse damn it Gunda Windy Grey so look Redzell won the first running of the Everest yesterday at Royal Randwick 33,000 punters which is the biggest crowd this decade at a horse race in Sydney right and Redzell knocked over Vega Magic who came second and Brave Smash Something I think we can all identify <laughs> all with really yeah. to that. in our lifestyles a... rounded out the trifecta. Now, look, it's an innovative idea. The entrants, in a way, actually pay for the race. A uh, syndicate buys one of the 12 slots in the race, $600,000 per year for three years, right. and that becomes the pool of money that then gets shared by the actual competitors. And as an owner of a slot, you can 
on sell it to someone else to compete. Right. So you buy your way into the race. You buy your way into the race and then you're trying to do well to win back more money than you paid so, over that three-year period. So it's kind of like a raffle. but with It's horses. like a poker tournament. It's like the World Series of Poker. Right, right. It's like the, a card game, yeah. You're, you're already in front. The competitors are paid before you even worry about sponsorship. The horses are rubbish at poker. There's nothing <laughs> on dogs. So, so props, and I think, Rose, you touched on this in our top of hour, that, uh, you know, you, you don't relate to horse races that are on a Saturday and don't give you time off work. It's ridiculous. So it's an innovative concept. Yeah. It's Sydney doing things right. It's taking on the Melbourne Cup. But right. They, but they're only getting it half right. Why isn't this a national holiday? Why are they doing it on a Saturday? Yeah, well, that's a good point because when I think of horse racing in Australia, I think of the Melbourne Cup. So is this Sydney's way of trying to go after that that prestige of the biggest race in the country? They're going to try and take it down with the Everest? It is the most prize money on offer in a horse race in the world right now. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. 10 million bucks. The winner won... There's one thing the Australian public like, it's relatability. <laughs> <laughs> the winner won 5.8 million plus a very fancy trophy. How much do you think the trophy was worth? Oh, jeez. 400 bucks? <laughs> yeah. $12.50. Wow. Yeah, wow. No, no. $325,000, I think it was. For a trophy? For a trophy. Diamantes, diamonds, rubies. Yeah, that thing better make me a good latte. See, though, all this is making me want to do is eat the rich. That's right. And, and it was actually a live pony was the trophy, right. dressed in the di- diamonds and the rubies. And right. Right. Like right. So can you see this as becoming part of Sydney's social calendar? AH, would you like to get out there in amongst it? Uh, I would like to get in amongst I mean, I was like, yeah, this sounds cool. And now I'm just furious at the amount of money that's going through there. You know, I'll never be able to afford a home. Um, I want to get in there and bloody take it down. As far as I'm concerned, the Everest race, I've changed my mind and you are first against the wall when the revolution comes. You're not going? You wouldn't frock up and go to the race? Oh, I'd frock up, but then, you know. (laughs) But I'm not going to enjoy it. No, no, no. If we've seen any spy movies, I'll I'll, I'll femme fatale the shit out of that and, you know, and take them down from the inside. That's outrageous to me. Rose, you're with me, aren't you? I, look, I'm with you. I think uh, Sydney should take over the key horse race, like I care, like I care at all about horse racing. But but I'd like to see Sydney be number one against <laughs> over Melbourne. But I just cannot get past the whole Saturday thing. Like you've got it. It's got to be a Tuesday in the middle of a long working week where everyone just goes bugger it. We're going and, to the pub to watch the race and a state holiday. Yes, I'm paying a thousand dollars next year to put you in a top hat and tails. Yep. We are going to the races. Yes, this is Triple M's the back row. Watch yourself, the Everest. Triple M's the back row with A.H., Chris and Rose. Yes. Boys, something very, very exciting happened to me this week. Something that I've been waiting an entire (laughs) lifetime for. It's true. It's a very beige life that I live. I went and saw Blade Runner Petersham. Blade Runner 2049, as it's known. In Petersham? (laughs) No. Oh, you know what? I went and I saw it at uh, the George Street Cinema, and the tickets were $25 each because it was like... um, some sort of like special sound thing. Yeah. My friend bought the ticket and it's like, yeah, this is like a... And it, it did actually sound really awesome in there, but it's like, well, why isn't every cinema yeah. just special uh, sound? I, I think that's non-pension a Thursday. Yeah. You For an extra five bucks, they pump in pure oxygen into the room. <laughs> Genuine yum, yum. Los Angeles 2049 smog. <laughs> but I... Uh, so look, Blade Runner is one of my favourite things. I love Blade Runner so much. Uh, a friend of mine, Cara, she's a film editor and she worked with um, Ridley Scott on the last Alien film. Mm. And uh, she... Uh, so I can now say that Ridley Scott has actually seen a photo of me with her at a Blade Runner dress-up party dressed as Pris. Apparently he liked it very much. Um, <laughs> I was going to say he's announced his retirement <laughs> from movies. <laughs> and, but I love Blade Runner so much that um, there's a little like title screen at the beginning where it gives you you know information, what's been happening in the you know the years since the first one. And there's a line at the end and it goes like, this isn't a spoiler, but it's like, those who chase them still have a name. 
Blade Runner. And oh. I actually went, yes, in the cinema. Tremendous. They said the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yes, yes, that's what it's called. That's what we're here for. But that was the only sound that I made for the rest, the entirety of the movie, because I get really, really tense about noise in movies. It's right. something that just shits me to tears that we have a social contract. Mm. But I'm not a shusher. And it leads to this great sort of... um. Uh, conflict within my body and my soul because when people are doing things in movies that I hate, rather than just resolving the situation, I just seethe internally for the whole not movie. Good for you. You not bottle, good for you at all. bottle yeah. it up. Are you a shusha? Me? Oh, look, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm a little bit worse than a shusha. If someone's making noise in a movie. I'll stand up and talk to them. I remember once I saw Inception. It was the third time I'd gone to see it in the movies. And there was these two Spanish teenagers behind me speaking in another language, but filling each other in on the movie the entire time oh. in another language. If it was in English, it was fine. I could like oh, laugh at what they were saying. Well, no, I could understand it. I could laugh along. But they, it was just another language. And I was you just talking would not them. laugh along. You would still be angry at them for talking during <laughs> your movie. Regardless, at the end of the film, I stood up and said, you talked through the entire thing. How did you understand any of that? And I threw my popcorn in the air and popcorn just rained down but, on all of but, us. Oh, but, but you, you didn't do it during. You didn't shush them, though. You didn't shush them. No, I didn't shush them. I, I, you know what? I should have shushed. I was in the cinemas the other day watching Blade Runner and when the first opening credits so came good. up... It's so good. When the opening it's credits came up and it said Blade Runner, someone in the, <laughs> someone in the space went, Yes! Blade Runner! <laughs> and ruined it. <laughs> and ruined it for you. Yeah, I should have shushed them. ruined it for I should have shushed them. So, I was going to say, first of all... There are certain people who are so agitated by the sound of people munching on popcorn or doing it <laughs> their empty sodas. Oh, is that what it is? Empty yeah. sodas. That's right. That uh, well, it certainly is in my world. This that, one, uh, exactly. That it's a medical condition that it gets them so agitated. Yes, I once at um uh, at the the Batman is another one that I really love. At the Dark Knight Rises, like midnight thing, someone had brought in individually wrapped lollies, and because I'm not a shusha, Fantastic. I'm just I'm just. <laughs> seething more and more and like turning my head quickly to look at them hopefully hoping that they'll get that so we're really curious to know what your strategy is are you a yeah. movie shusha are you do you have some kind of other technique to try and make people shut up are you a rude piece of shit who <laughs> just does whatever they want during movies one triple three five three we want to know this is the back row on sydney's triple m oh that's the name of the movie yeah Welcome back to the back row, Triple M, AH, Chris and Rose. We're talking, talking in movies. Yes, we're talking, talking movies because I went to see Blade Runner uh, 2049 and I was tense for the whole time because it's such an important movie for me and I'm, I internally seethe when people are noisy in movies. And we asked you on 13353, uh, what do you do? Are you, a, are you a shusher? Are you not a shusher? What's the vibe? Mark from Reesbury. Hi, Mark, Mark from, from Reesbury. Mark from Reesbury. Oh, I'm not going to get it out and Reesbury. I don't know why. What's your tactic, Mark, from wherever yeah, so you're from? Yeah, so instead of shushing, I just grab a pack of Maltesers before the movie, and if I hear a noise, I just chuck them in the direction <laughs> of the person making the noise. And if it continues, they get harder. Mark, I would argue that you're creating more of a distraction, though, and therefore you deserve to be taken down by a, a shusher no, of some variety. I like it. I say he stands up, throw the Maltesers, and yes, and yells at him, don't mess with Rose Spray. And, and Mark, are these individual individual Maltesers precisely targeted or more a scattershot handful no, approach? Just a whole handful in that direction. Yeah. So, you're hitting, so you're hitting other people as well? Yeah. And then they get the it'll stop trying. <laughs> oh, Mark, I am not on board with I you. Like but I thanks like for calling in. We also have Angie from Bexley on the line. Angie, what do you do in a movie when people are talking? Uh, look, I've got a whole, whole process. I start by seething inside. Yep, yep, yep ruin, good. 
yeah, ruins my the, like the start of the movie for me because exactly. I'm just like seething. I start to boil. I boil. I boil. Then I start making noises myself, as in I'll just go, Jesus, God, God, come on, please, just shut it, be quiet. To my, but I mumble that to myself. So up to this point, you stop them. You are me. Like I, except without the like, oh, I might go like, oh, or something like that kind of thing. And the thing with anger uh, is that it, it, when it's internalized, it only upsets you. So you're getting angrier and angrier. You've painted this picture for us. What's next? Which is just stupid. I agree totally. But then I go. But I don't know why I do it. I know, but I go to the next step and then I actually go, turn around and I'll go, excuse me, do you mind please? I'm trying to enjoy the movie. Good. And usually they'll look at you either and go, sorry, or they'll look at you and go, F off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to the point that finally, if they continue, I'll just actually stand up and I'll say, shut the F up. Oh yeah, Angie. <laughs> Angie, you are George Constanza from Seinfeld doing the opposite. I love it. I'm like you. It is, it's like 12 steps. That's your favourite show. That's her favourite show. Angie, do you want to join the back row? <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> Welcome back to the back row. Triple M with AH Chris and Rose and we are thrilled and delighted to have Triple M's Anthony Maroon on the line. Maroon, how are you? Hello there, gang. How are you? I must say how much I've uh, enjoyed after a game or after a uh, Saturday in their studio listening to you guys on the way home. It's Triple M needs this sort of stuff. We're taking our footy too seriously. <laughs> oh, thank you, Maroon. Your check's in the mail. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And this is, this is only after a week later we were hoping to speak to you when you were sliding back down the hill from Bathurst, and uh, you made it safely? Yeah, well, I, I did, mate. It took forever, but I... Um, I, uh, I, 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 what, it, what you do is if you go to Bathurst every year, the trick is if you need to make an early exit on the Sunday Arvo, don't park in the car park. Park <laughs> in the uh, street. On the track. And then you've just got to learn the back way around, and then before you know it, you're back on the highway. Or, or, you're, in, or you're in Mudgee. <laughs> or you're in Mudgee. <laughs> I like that. Local tips. Now, look, this is our last show for the season, and I know, mm. of course, that we will be very dearly missed, Maroon, but... <laughs> Of course, it means that you're done with the Triple M call team as well for the season. In fact, you have been for a couple of weeks, so it was a great question leading there. Who are you going to miss and who are you not going to miss from the call team? Oh, I'm not going to miss any of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they turn, they talk over me. They don't shut up when I tell them I need them to shut up. They, uh, whatever I say, they disagree with. No matter what I say, they all gang up and disagree with me. Wow. I disagree so, with um, And it. then they... You know, they turn up, and as soon as they get on air, they want to talk about what they're going to have for lunch and who's getting the coffees. And it always seems to be my shout to get the coffees and pick Gordy up from the airport. Mate, I am not going to miss any of them. <laughs> i got to say, you're the common denominator there, mate. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Well, yeah, that's what room. my mother used to say. If you've got a problem with a few people, look who really is the problem. <laughs> Me. Now, now I, yeah. went, I went to that absolutely rock-solid source, Wikipedia, and it said in one of the several starts you got here at the Triple M Network, you replaced Rod Loverod Malden in 2012. Yep. Now, you're simply known as Maroon. Nothing yep. better in the nickname stakes? Well, I, well, I used to be on a show called Maroon and Millie, so that's where that comes from, mate. And I, for some reason, I never, I never picked up the... Um, the first name again. I suppose Anthony's not a very Triple M name, though. You know yeah, what I mean? True. Right. True. Right. Mm. Yeah, that, that show wasn't down in the gong by any chance, was it? 
Yeah, it was in the gong for oh. six or seven years and then a couple of years on Triple M. My nice. beautiful home. Incidentally, producer Felix's real first name is Anthony, so there, there you yeah. go. That's why we don't call him Anthony. <laughs> Felix. <laughs> I, I well, maybe s- I should be called Felix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's taken, it's taken, mate. Good point, Felix. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, look, look, Love Rod holds nothing on Maroon. I think you've got the better name. Uh, as, as AH mentioned just before, uh, this is uh, the end of our first season of doing this show when newbies here at Triple M, and we've learned a lot in the six months we've been here, but... Uh, you're a, you're a professional. You're a veteran. Is there any tips you can give us about surviving the Triple M wilderness? Oh, well, mate, you're going to meet some of the most feral uh, <laughs> types anywhere that you're being in, meet in radio. But so, we've look, already I met you, Anthony. Be, huh? We've already met you. We've already met you. <laughs> and just what, what you got to do in ra- radio in general, not just not Triple M, but what you got to do, right? You got to you got to be you got to. You've got to be prepared to backstab everyone. Right, You've got to be got able it. to white ant, like you've got to white ant your way into jobs. So if you've got to go around and, you know, backstab someone to get their job, well, you've got to know how to do that. You've got to be prepared to suffer fools. <laughs> um, that's how you survive in radio. I'm writing this all down. Oh, poor Millie. <laughs> the word I hear is does you just take a holiday for the next nine months, Maroon. We'll look after it for you, and there'll be a job we're here when you get back. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> now, but look, I tell you what, you guys fit. I love Triple M. I've had, uh, I've been there more than... I've been any other radio station in all the years, and I just seem to fit in. I think if you're a little bit, you know, knock about, um, you know, you'll fit in there. If you can take the piss out of yourself, uh, you've got to be prepared to do that because if you don't, someone else will do it for you. Yeah, that's true. Maureen, thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us today. And as far as the back rows is concerned, you're always Penske material. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. Ta-ta. <laughs> <laughs> you're on Triple M's The Back Row. Welcome back to The Back Row, Triple M, AH, Chris and Rose. That was Ganga Jam with the sounds of then. We are the voices of now. Ooh. <laughs> the Sydney Kings were in action this afternoon against the Illawarra Hawks. 103-87 win to the local team. Seeing the Kings move to 1-2 to two in the early going in the NBL season. Go the Kings. Go the Kings. Go the Hawkey. I don't care. But the talk of the but day was one sporting phenomenon that's sweeping the world right now. They had baby racing again. <gasps> really? Yeah. Where at? It, at the Kings. At the, well, on a basketball court. At Kudos Bank Arena. There they go. There they go. Coming around the last stretch. <laughs> Let's face it. The pro circuit can only be 12 months away, and yeah. hopefully we're talking about exactly that in 12 months' time. That's always stealing great ideas from the NRL, aren't they? <laughs> well, a crossover could be absolutely oh, perfect. Baby race pro circuit. I love it. Particularly if they are the babies of NRL players. We need to pitch this and host it. No, I mean, th- 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 there's lots We've of... We've been championing baby racing for quite a while. <laughs> NRL baby racing. But there are other sporting phenomenons that have been locked in for a little bit longer, haven't there been, Rose? Yeah, well, speaking of uh, sporting uh, hobbies and things like that, uh, my partner Zoe did something interesting this week. She uh, she works for a company, a biomedical company, and a month ago... Yeah, they... she's super smart. Yeah, she's yeah. really smart. I have no idea why she's dating me. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the Umbrella Corporation by any chance, is it? Because if it is, I'd be very, very concerned. Hang your jacket in the corner. There is no corners! Uh, so... <laughs> I'd love to talk, but I'm in the middle of a fun run. Uh, so she went this week, uh, a month ago, her company had told her they're going to play uh, laser tag in Macquarie, the Macquarie Shopping Centre. Uh-huh. I love a bit and, of laser tag. Yeah, and a month ago, she brought the gear into work thinking that was the day, but she was a month early. Oh. So <laughs> this week, she shows up without the gear, and they're like, you know, laser tag's tonight, right? So she's gone, oh, no. She didn't bring any gear with her. So she did it in heels. She <gasps> just did the whole laser tag thing what with her workmates. Doing? In heels. And I said, specifically said to her beforehand, don't wear heels, you're going to hurt yourself. And she went, yeah, sure, no worries. And she comes home, she's like, did it in heels, like jumping around the house. Oh, yeah, my hero. Get it, girl. You guys ever done laser tag? 
I've never done. Yeah, I've I been, love laser tag. I've, like I've, I've been in those, you know, those <laughs> shooting. <laughs> I, I just got a laser in the butt. I think you just got we, need, shot. we need more funding for studio chairs. Chris has just gave out. <laughs> well, that goes out of my emolument. Now, I have been in one of those shooting galleries where those metal ducks go uh, past. Ah, yeah. At Luna Park. Yeah, did you get a prize? In the 70s. <laughs> All right, so that's not quite as hardcore. So, so can you win at laser tag? Do you win or lose at this? I don't know. Yeah, no, no, you can. It's, it's, a, it's a full on war, and it's sort of like last one. You're in teams, but last one standing. Look, I, I love laser tag, but I've also. Been in a similar situation to Zoe, right. where I do a like eighties aerobics class. It's really fun and hectic and good mm-hmm. stuff. But I went one time um, after I'd gone in, you know, jeans. I was wearing sort of like beetle boots, ankle boots, and I'd forgotten to bring my sick, fresh Adidas sneakers. Right. And I was like, well, I can't do it on this hard floor wearing these boots that have like a heel on them. It would have been loud and horrible, and I might have twisted something. So I did it barefoot. It was agony. Right. It was. Agony doing right. it barefoot, jumping up and down, I, being I, Jane Fonda. I tell you what is does seem like agony when we're talking about laser tag is is paintball. Have you guys ever done paintball? Because that looks painful. I haven't. My brother did it once, and he was like covered in bruises. Yeah. Like he looked like a Z Town participant. Yeah. Like, once they'd done the painting, you no, got to, I've waved right off. I bruise very easily. You wouldn't do it, not with this skin. You're a huge target, not with this skin. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> this is Triple M's the back row with AH Chris and Rose. That was Marcy Playground with Sex and Candy. Two of my favorite things definitely in that order. <laughs> Playgrounds and candy. Oh no, that comes out. Oh, that came out wrong. Oh, boy. Wow. I was just oh. Speaking of nothing to do with that, guys. Uh, it's t- I think it's time I think it's time for us to do another Trump date. This is where we just talk a little bit about Trumpy boy and what he's been up to because I've made it no secret on this show that politically he's a buffhead, but and uh, comedically he's <laughs> Wow, that's taking a risk. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I'm really going out on a limb there. Careful. But comedically that guy's amazing. He just... I've never seen someone in the main media constantly entertain me as regularly as Trump. It's incredible. And this week on the Trump date, there's been some really cool things. The one I liked was when he said um, that he, he had a really great... I had a really great conversation with the president of the Virgin Islands. Little did he know, he is the president of the Virgin <laughs> Islands. So was he looking in a mirror? Or is it, is it really getting that bad? I, I can actually imagine that he did actually have that conversation. Great guy, quite stubborn, but he came round towards the end. You know, huge guy, huge. One triple three five three. when have you spoken to the president of the Virgin Islands, but you actually were the president of the Virgin Islands? Uh, the other one I liked was, um, you know, it's, there's been a lot of trouble in Puerto Rico recently, and, and our hearts go out to them. And Trump was there uh, last week uh, giving aid uh, and firstly, every conversation he ends with, he has to end with, have a great time. Have a great time. No matter where he is. Trump, you're not in a casino. You're, you're in a disaster zone. Stop telling people yeah. to have a great time. But then my favorite, possibly my favorite image of the entire presidency so far was that in Puerto Rico when he was handing out paper towels to people in need. Yeah. And for some reason... Like supplies, handing yeah. out supplies to them, right? Yeah, like a good person does. He's handing them out. There's people crowding around. For some reason, in the middle of it, he started to enjoy himself. That's right. And he started shooting the paper towel yeah. packets like basketballs. He was free-throwing the towels. <laughs> and he, he could hear like him just he in the background a... go, swish. <laughs> that would be two. Kind of, Nothing kind but of, net. Kind of as though he had like a T-shirt gun <laughs> kind of thing. Like like it was a promotion. And you get a paper towel. And bam, bam, Four, bam, 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 bam. From downtown, I bring the rain. Wow. <laughs> just how, how does he not... Look, How did he not have a, an understand a concept of where he was? Like people in there have just lost family members, and I, he's yeah, punting I, towels like they're all there to see him. I don't think he. I don't think that crosses his mind. I think he's unaware of the social situation where he he just goes. Well, I'm having fun. This is fun. I'm, so I'm going to start shooting these because oh I haven't God. shot a basketball in a couple of years because Obama used to do that and I can't play ball. I, I wish I could do the voice. <laughs> to be honest, I wish you could do the voice. But. <laughs> but 
Right. Everyone remembers the, all the fake news around the turnout at the inauguration. You know, he said it was the biggest turnout in history. Yeah. Of course, there were yep. just scads of empty ground and, yep. and so yeah, yep. forth. He does tend to look at everything in terms of who shows up. So when he went down to give relief in the hurricane area down Florida way, mm. he kept saying on the mic, what a great turnout, you <laughs> wow. know, as people were there seeking aid. So I'm not quite sure he's quite got an imbalance, but he'd be a tremendous promoter for sporting events. I think he's definitely got things. an imbalance. <laughs> there, he reminds me of that comedian kid from South Park. Wow, what a great audience. They're, <laughs> they're running a market on impeachment, competence, yeah. and be there for 2020. So far, he's still ahead for 2020. Yeah, I love him. You're on Triple M's The Back Row. <laughs> we hope you're enjoying your Sunday evening. You're on The Back Row Triple M with A.H. Chris and Rose. Now, Australian cricketer Pat Cummins is talking bumper war in the upcoming Ashes series that's going to be covered from all angles by Triple M. The big question is whether some of those bounces will be aimed at the badge on Ben Stokes's helmet, <laughs> given his current legal troubles. Knowing the way the Poms are, we say yes. We'll look forward to seeing Ben out here later in the summer. Now, guys, I've got a little bit of news. I wouldn't call it happy news. My um, very much loved 87-year-old mother, Leone, had a bit of a tumble earlier no. in the week. Mm, she okay? She's all right. She, look, she's doing okay, but she's still in hospital. She did actually put a bit of a fracture into her elbow and her hand, and uh, a little bit of metal work went in there, mm. as those surgeons are wont to do. We can rebuild her. Yeah, you can't <laughs> stop them. They just go for it. She's pretty, <laughs> she's pretty balanced now. She's had both elbows plated, and she's got two hips, you know. The bionic woman. Yeah, yeah. she's fantastic. Nice. She's so she, she is like Lindsay Wagner. Now, one of the things that uh, has been part of the rehab process, of course, is pain relief. Mm -hmm. Turns out my mother is a fiend for morphine. <laughs> Who isn't that? <laughs> and, a and great it, sentence. And, and, and of course, it, it takes it takes us back to that discussion we had with uh, Chris Lawrence last week from the West Tigers and the Green Whistle. Yes. Coming off the back of poor old Sean Fenson doing that nasty yes. leg injury in the grand final. I'm worried a little bit about my mother. She's given me the viewing requirements she wants ready when she gets back home. Right. She's asked for the following DVDs, Narcos, <laughs> Breaking Bad, Weeds, and as far as movies are concerned, she's after copies of Blow, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and of course that old favourite Scarface. <laughs> How much Pink Floyd does she want to listen to? <laughs> just, just start the uh, Dark Side of the Moon and the yeah. Wizard of Oz, and she'll be like, fine. Like we've all we've all listened to Pink Floyd, but you, have you ever like listened to Pink Floyd? <laughs> and of course, it, ta it takes me back to my own experience. I had to get a little bit of uh, metal work moved out of my leg uh, back in the Hawke administration. Yeah, and they, they gave me the they gave me the pre-op needle, and then said, "Oh, sorry, there's a hip replacement. that's a little delayed. You're just going to have to wait here in the bed." And unless I, you want it. I was off with the Pixies, and uh, a girl who I think was a long-term patient was you know, going around being social. I was so in love with that girl, I proposed to her. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we had 15 happy years together, but have you guys ever experienced uh, in, in the trauma something like the green whistle? Yeah, I have a couple of stories. So when I was 21, my uh, appendix decided to come out, and so I, I didn't get a 21st birthday. Thank you. Um, but, and I was on uh, – there were complications with my surgery, so I had to stay like an extra week or something. And I was uh, really, really messed up just talking to my mum, just rambling, because I was on, I think, like morphine and endone. Or something like that, mm. and uh, and at one point I just sort of went, oh, mom, I'm effed, and she was like, what? What do you mean, my beautiful, sweet, naive Irish mother? She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I'm I'm really high, mom. I'm on a lot of drugs, and she goes. Oh, Anne, C 
can you can you stop it? Can you not be? Like she thought it was going to be my gateway. Here, like, eat an orange. Yeah. Oh, you talk about gateways. I've already had the occupational therapist and the pharmacist talk to my mother about regulating, and it's probably time to come off yeah. or whatever. She's thinking, can I just sneak some on the way home? Yeah, Rose, yourself, you don't look like a man who's been injured very much. Well, I I uh, have a great tactic to not get injured very often, and that is not do anything. So I don't get yeah. uh, injured that often. I've only you know broken a finger here and there playing basketball. But when I was a kid in school, uh, my green whistle was my dad. Uh, when I once got what? a big chunk of bark in my knee, I ran into a tree and I got a big chunk of bark like sticking out of my, my shin and I wouldn't let any teachers touch it. I was like, my dad has to be here yeah. he to, and he will take it out. So my dad had to, was a lawyer in the city. He had to stop in the middle of a court case. Perfectly qualified. Your Honor, I must leave. My son has a tree in his leg. And then he ra- came down south where I lived and came to the school and he got the bit of bark out of my leg. So I, he was my your, green... How's your green whistle, though? Green whistle's pain relief. He was, he, he was a doctor, not He a... took a bit of tree out of my leg. <laughs> well, be I was relief. no longer hurting. <laughs> well, I do have one other one. It was two years ago, and I had, like, really bad, like, a, a, infe- a like gastro kind of infection thing. It was horrible. And I finally ended up going to St. Vincent's about it. And uh, I did not think that the cramps that I was... I just went because I was dehydrated. I didn't think the cramps were morphine level, but apparently they were, so they pump me full of the morphine I immediately go and at the time there was this iPhone game called Nico Atsume uh, and it's just looking after computer cats but it's like Valium and the the, the, the background music is this and you just have cats going be your own crazy cat lady (laughs) that's enough Felix and so I on morphine was playing this and I did two tweets and the first one is morphine is so scrumptious num 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 <laughs> and then the second one is a screenshot of all my cats uh, and it says I, I I think I wanted to say cats on morphine and then he 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 instead I wrote cats on morphine six E's H-E-H-R-J-E-H-E-H mm. love the morphine <laughs> I love that player let me tell you if I had to listen to that music for much longer I'd need a bit of morphine <laughs> of course as we always say kids don't do drugs that means you mum triple M's the back row when it's all said and done when the pads are all packed up, the refs have packed away the whistles, and the parking lots are empty. One show with three obsessive fans still want to have their say. And because this is Triple M, and because we really don't give a rat, we say, why the hell not? Rugby oh. Please welcome AH, Chris and Rose. We are in for something special tonight. This is the back row. Footy from the cheap seats on Triple M. Well, we were feeling challenged by what we should be talking about now that the footy season was over, but then four words came to us. Rugby League World Cup. Woo! This is the back row on Triple M with AH, Chris and Rose, and the World Cup will tide us over till the NRL kicks off in March of 2018. But already the excitement is building, guys, because round one for the NRL next year was announced yesterday. Exciting. Teddy Tedesco gets thrown straight into the deep end. It's taking on the Tigers, representing the Tricolors, the Roosters wow. at ANZ Stadium. Heavy. A Western Sydney derby between the Panthers and Eels on a Sunday afternoon out at Penrith. <laughs> and AH, speaking of uh, deep end, uh, Ben Hunt will be oh, wearing... Oh, excuse me? Yeah, well, yep. Yeah, wearing the famous red V of St. George Illawarra in a first-up clash involving 
Brisbane at Cogra, how do you feel about this prospect? I feel that they have to be doing this intentionally, don't they? To give a narrative to to round one. It's piqued our e- interest. Every, exactly. Everyone's in against everyone. Or it was like uh, the first season that the Knights, when Wayne Bennett went to the Knights again. Oh, sentences. Just, Knights, you know what I mean. Guys, that was, Knights v. Dragons. Knights v. Dragons. That was round one. Why are we talking about Ben Hunt? James Graham's going to be running out there for the Dragons. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's going to be a real sight to yeah, have that's to adjust the, that's to. the real highlight. Well, if we're talking about deep ends, I think you've been thrown into an even deeper in rows. So Perth Stadium will be hosting a doubleheader on the Saturday. Yep. We'll see South take on the Warriors and your Canterbury with new coach Dean Pay Kaching mm-hmm. against the Premier's Melbourne. Daunting prospect? Oh, why do we always got to play Melbourne first? What's with the dogs getting to play the Borg? I'm excited about the Perth thing, though. I want to see this stadium and I want to see people show up and pack it out. But I, I'm excited to see what DP's going to do with the team, as I like to call him now. <laughs> Great. The rest, of, the rest of the rugby league public is excited to see Canterbury lose in the first round. In this hour, we'll be talking to the Wigan Warriors Man of Steel, a real live superhero Pat Richards joining us on the line. We'll be thinking about taking holidays in Honduras with the Socceroos and we'll be thinking about who we like to pack down in a scrum in our last back row of the week. Triple M. Welcome back to the back row Triple M. AH Chris and Rose that was Van Halen Mark 2 Why Can't This Be Love? The Sammy Hagar years. Mark 2. <laughs> and Rose I happen to love that. I know you weren't really vibing on it but I think it's a great song. Yeah, I can take a leave Van Halen. Now look the back no, row. No we love all the music played on Triple M. Sure. We, we sure Always. do. And speaking of things that we're proud to do, we're proudly representing all Tier 3 nations who are hoping to be in the Rugby League World Cup one day. But for the upcoming World Cup, there's a little bit of patriotism around. AH, you're a bit of a patriot. What have you got for us? I am not of this country, but I <laughs> <laughs> don't write in. It was just We a love joke. all countries here on Triple M. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are a rainbow-coloured world. Uh, yeah, so Brad Fittler, well, our Rugby League World Cup's coming up, and of course, Freddie Fittler is coaching Lebanon. Uh, mm. And some news came out this week that I think is super cool, super respectful, makes me love Freddie Fittler even more. And that's it. If the players don't know the words to the Lebanese national anthem, they don't get to play. Mm. I think that's great. If you're representing a nation, it's not just that, you know, oh, okay, you, you know, come in, this is your moment to shine. It's you're representing the nation and do it. It's mm. not just about you. Um, and so, led by five players who flew in from Leb- Lebanon just a week earlier, the entire higher squad belted out a rendition of the national anthem in Arabic. Wow. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. very nice. Because I know it in English, but I don't yeah, want to yeah, show off. So. Don't we all? Yeah. Felix, do you want to give us a quick little grab? I'm standing, everybody. Come on. Oh, yep. The outstanding plays. Hands over hearts. That's enough because I realized as soon as we started playing that that I can't really make a joke while anthems are playing while talking about <laughs> respecting anthems. I took a knee. But, um, so, but so Freddie said that knowing the anthem is non negotiable. I think that's wonderful. Now, look, friend of the show, Dennis Carnahan, uh, I was at uh, Rugby League the Musical earlier in the year and he was chatting to someone about um, someone wanted to bring him over to, and I'm not going to give any details, but bring him to another country that had some rugby league stuff going on to sing um, the Australian anthem, mm-hmm. which is great. And then they said, oh, actually, last name Carnahan, you could do the Irish anthem as well. Now, I'm Irish. I'm trying to learn my own language. Irish is such a hard language to learn and to sing, and the Irish national anthem is in Irish. So I went, oh, I don't think Dennis will be able to do that, actually. I don't think he can speak Irish. And then this person went, oh, we'll just pretend the Irish will all be drunk anyway. Mm. I was so angry I had to walk out of the room. (laughs) Do you know I can speak Irish? Oh, God, here we go. What races are you going to Oh, to be sure. There you go. There's my Irish. Look, now, look, I I, I don't want to be in your hip, but she's gone. She's gone. I was going to find out whether is Irish Gaelic. 
Yeah, because oh, if it is Gaelic... Coming back, coming back, coming back. She's coming back. Okay, do, do you want me to answer that yes, or do you please. have a joke? No, no. Okay, so it well, is... Well, I did have a joke, but I really want the answer. Oh, he's so trying to it's, get it's sometimes referred to as Irish Gaelic, right. but generally you just you would just say Irish. If you say Gaelic, that's typically referring to Scottish Gaelic. Got it. And if you're talking about the Irish language, it's just Irish. However, when you say it as Gaelic, which means in Irish, um, the, the word is Gaelic, which obviously looks like Gaelic, but it um, translates as Irish when you're referring to the language. Right. Always trying to get but, me lucky times. But Irish, if you're talking about a person, is Aaron. <laughs> okay, well, we've, we've learned that because I was just going to say any language named after me, i.e. Gaelic, <laughs> I like. <laughs> but it's not funny. But look, I tell you what, <laughs> Freddie Fittler, visionary, yeah. must be the Blues origin coach. Go yeah. Lebanon World Cup 2017. You're on the back row, Triple M. Triple M is the back row here with AH Chris and Rose. That was Oasis with Morning Glory. Great song. You an Oasis fan, Chris? I'm a huge Oasis fan. <laughs> I love helicopters. Now, it's time for one of our new segments, uh, The Batch Wrap, where we now we don't have The Back Wrap anymore that Rugby League is finished. We now like to cover The Bachelor. And, Chris, I've updated the intro for you. Felix, take it away. It's Chris Gales, The Batch Wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing even the best. I appreciate that so much. Oh. Guys, I've got to tell you, I find myself doing more work analysing The Bachelorette than I do the eight games of a regular NRL round. Really? I'm really forensically getting all over it and also trying to follow the news cycle as well. One of the things we were talking before about the $10 million race, the Everest, won by Red Zell yesterday at 4.15pm for those that were watching. And there's been a lot of concern from colourful racing identities that all the promotional events, you know, the parties and things that are leading into the event and then uh, on the day and afterwards have been crowded out by booted out contestants from The Bachelorette. <laughs> your Sams and your Lukes and whatever are crowding out the racing identities. Yeah, you're going to have enough for an episode of Family Feud soon. And so they're really, really upset by these so-called influencers. People from The Bachelorette and apparently Dr. Jeffrey Edelston. And it occurred to me, if that's not the next Bachelor, <laughs> oh. I've come down in the latest rainstorm. Yeah. How good would Dr. Jeffrey be as The Bachelor? Wow. I still want it to be Apollo. I want him just doing magic tricks for every yeah, woman. If Apollo doesn't win, I want him to be Let's face it, the Apollo. Bachelor. Apollo's got everything going for him except years. The, the kid just needs to get older quicker. Let's jump into a time machine. He's huge. He should be playing footy. So, of course, Wednesday and Thursday night this week, uh, precursors to next week's homecoming dates. Mm, big ones. First single date was third-generation publican Stu Laundy and Sophie chipping golf balls into Sydney Harbour. As you do. Now, they said they were going to pick them up afterwards. I saw no evidence of that. Have they really taken the marine life into account here? It's a bit mm. of a Kramer move, isn't I, it? I love any excuse for The Bachelorette to bring in sort of like, oh, matron kind of jokes. And my favourite line that's been ringing through my head all week is, you were nowhere near the hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the group date was one. Uh, oh, you guys big onesies fans? That group Unicorns date. and giraffes and things like I that. I mean, how, more, how much more demeaning can you be? Guys, you're all vying for my love. Now get in the onesies and listen <laughs> to me talk. I mean, jeez. Uh, I'm not our, for onesies, but I'm mental for jumpsuits. I understand it's more sort of just like a more serious onesie without the, the head situation going on. But I'm all about my jumpsuits and my play suits. I think I own nine. Here's the thing about a onesie. If you're crazy, you're crazy. But if you're crazy in a onesie, you look really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Our stage five clingy Jared uh, broke. <laughs> Speaking of crazy, broke down when he got a swatch from his blankie. <laughs> He's like Linus from Peanuts. And Mac, who to me has always looked disturbingly like one of the cast members of Hobbit: Battle of the Five Armies, <laughs> this ring blew it because he got extra time with Sophie. And uh, she goes, "What is it that you like about me?" And he goes, "You're gorgeous. You're Sophie." <laughs> it didn't point. really work. He got punted, and so did genial Luke who looks like an AFL player, Ruckman, in another life. That was a he? bit of a surprise. It was Luke. a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Mm. We jumped forward to Thursday, and the single date went to the aforesaid Apollo. What a dude. Mm. Magic, 
you know, heart attack survivor. I always just want to hand him utensils and watch him bend them with his mind. Yeah. A, a rig. Presentable <laughs> hair. Such a rig. Yeah, rig. Is he Bachelor 2018? If he doesn't win, then he Assume is. he doesn't yeah. win, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, absolutely. If he doesn't win, I, I absolutely... He's my front pick so far of the boys. The group date was yacht racing. If you've ever seen a more staged for TV event than having those two yachts oh. jostling to the finish. Oh, that boat almost hit the other boat. And how frustrating was it that it was a one-all draw? What, they hadn't had the budget for a third and decider? Everybody wins. <laughs> oh, sorry, are you looking at me for a joke? I got nothing. So that's what happens when you do yacht racing on television. AA just is only out going, I should buy a boat. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to race yeah. a yacht after I've been to the races. Right after I eat the rich, then I'll buy my yacht. That's my whole aim. I only care about socialism for stealing the money. <laughs> and, Rose, I'm assuming you were thrilled that Double Delight Rose Sam was punted. He went out on his second date with... Sophie just attended to promote himself the whole time. I've got a studio. I can act. Yeah, he should have been gone after that car ride that the parents drove around in. That's when he should have been gone. That double delight rose was silly. Mm. He got cleared out when she cleared the room and she said, Sam, you're gone. Gone. And it simply remains for me to say that I'm not going to ride Osher Ginsburg too hard this week. He had a diamond back tie that I didn't particularly like. (laughs) And he did make a very bad joke at one stage saying, Sophie, you had no choice. Oh, Oh, I think that's golden. You're on Triple M's The Back Row. You're on The Back Row, Triple M with AH, Chris and Rose. And we're thrilled to have Pat Richards on the line. How are you, Pat? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you guys? Good, thank you, Patty. Yeah, good stuff. We're going really well. Now, most Sydney people would be aware that you played for the Parramatta Eels and the West Tigers, but really you're a legend of the English Super League. You played for the Catalan Dragons and for eight years, I think, the Wigan Warriors. Is that right? Nice. Yeah, that's right. Um, I left just after the 2005 Grand Final and probably probably only wanted to go over for a couple of years but um, really enjoyed my time there and just kept extending it and, um, before we knew it it was eight years and um, had an opportunity to come back and finish my career in the NRL and I took that as well so no, I, was, I loved my time uh, with Wigan and over in England as well And you won a couple of Super League Grand Finals there and in 2010 you were the man of steel I mean what does that mean? Are you now Superman? Are you part of the Justice League? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a pretty big honour um, to receive that. Um, it was voted for by the players um, as well. So, yeah, to receive that from them it was, it was a great honour. But, um, you know, the better, it was better winning the title that year. Um, you know, it's a team sport and you don't get those things without without being in a good team. And I was, I was in a really good team um, that year and um, really enjoyed my footy. It was probably one of the best uh, years I've had. Um, in my career. So, Pat, now that we've we've come to the conclusion that you're Superman, is that true that you wear your underpants on the outside of your pants then? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Pat, we've been talking in the show about um, Freddie Fitler being the coach for Lebanon and saying that it's, uh, you know, the players have to learn the national anthem if they're going to play. You played for Ireland. I'm Irish. I've been trying to learn Irish for quite a while and it's a pretty tough language. Did you yep. have to learn the Irish national anthem, or which for you at home is sung in Irish? Yes, I did. Um, 2008, our coach Andy Kelly um, also did the same thing. So we we uh, we all learnt the uh, the anthem in Gaelic. Um, so that was that was really good. I think it's it's really good move as well. Um, you know, really a lot of a lot of the guys are obviously you know with the Irish heritage. So it's, mm. um, it brings that back, and um, you're representing your family. And my, both my parents are Irish. Let's hear a few bars, Pat. Let's yeah. hear a few bars. I, are you actually are you actually able to sing any of it as well? 
Um, You're on radio. A couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get you in well, one that, day. That's funny because when I went, like the classes that I go to to learn it are at a Gaelic club, and so we're all sitting there <laughs> with our Convenient. like ciders and stuff, being you know, gee, ditch is Nisha on you. Anyway, Ooh, nice. <laughs> Pat, it's Rose here. I'm the angry one. I have a question. We were talking to Chris Lawrence uh, last week, and he was mentioning the green whistle is such a great thing in rugby league when you take a bit hit, a big hit, and you're hurting a bit. Uh, have you ever experienced the green whistle? Ever had anything strange happen to you? Are you a fan? Not really the the whistle. I've had a had a couple of bad injuries, and um, yeah, the doctors have injected me. I've no idea what with, but um, <laughs> takes the pain right away. <laughs> Who I mean, cares after, what it is? After plenty of operations I've had, um, I remember one time I think I had a knee reco and I was dosed up on pethidine, I think, and oh, my yeah. missus came into the room, and I actually. I, she said to me a couple of days later, she goes, you know, you, you said I was a South Sydney coach or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i got no idea what was going on, but, um, but yeah, rugby league, great game. Isn't it? It, it is <laughs> a great game. Look, Pat, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been very smart in your career. You never joined the back row. You always stood out in the wing. It's been a thrill to have you on the back row. Thanks all the same. No worries, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Patty. So there you have it. Garbage's cherry go, baby, go. Uh, <laughs> I think he's, Mrs. Manson's reminding us that this is the last, uh, the back row for 2017. This Triple is the M. last one. We uh, haven't really Rose. thought about it, have we? We've no. just been going on, you know, doing our show like we normally mm. do. But this is it. This is the last one. I've been trying not to reflect on it yet. It's too devastating. Well, and guys, I have even more devastating news. Oh, okay. Right? Here we go. Now, now, not only do I love Trumpy Boy, I also love uh, <laughs> Facebook and some of the great uh, groups that are on Facebook. Yep. Uh, especially the Flat Earth guys, because they're really, really funny. <laughs> They'll believe anything. And there was a post this week by Flat Earth Society, and I have this. Just strap yourselves so, in, guys. Hang on, so, what is the Flat Earth Society? Oh, who knows? Go a bunch of people that think the Earth is flat. Right. Okay. <laughs> Good start. That's, I think that's why they're called the Flat Earth Society. Um, but here's a post. Uh, strap in, guys, because this might, you know, kind of take you out of the matrix a little bit here. Australia is not real. Australia does not exist. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Australia does not exist. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no! All it's things like the greatest you, hits. No, we are wrapping up. Focus, guys. This is huge news. All things you call proof are actually well-fabricated lies and documents made by the leading governments of the world. Your Australian friends, they're all actors and computer-generated personas, part of the plot to trick the world. Uh, you think you've ever been to Australia? You're terribly wrong. The plane pilots are all in on this. Uh, and they've all actually flown you to islands close nearby, or in some cases, part of South America. What? Uh, they're all cleared space and hired actors to act out as real Australians. Australia is one of the biggest hoaxes ever created, and you all have been tricked. Tell the truth, stand up for what is right, make sure to spread the word. Australia does not exist. Guys, comment. Wow. Well, look, yeah, as a member of the media, I have to say we have been complicit in this lie for a really, really long time, and I apologise. They caught us. They got us. Well, First of all, I want to say that song was called Cherry Lips, but it jumped off the computer too quickly. That's the first thing I want to do. What did you do. call it? Cherry Go Go I just Baby said Cherry go, go, go Baby Go, but it's Cherry Lips Go Baby Go. Shirley Munson. But it well, was Shirley I'm Munson, glad whatever. we've... Uh, so once I've got that clear, that. the second thing I want to say is, are you telling me that the earth is not flat? Yeah, yeah, there's some, there's some people out there that think it's a spherical ball. I mean, come on. <laughs> the third thing is, it now absolutely gives an underline to the suspicions I've had for some time. Mm-hmm. I've been convinced that AH and Rose, you're both actors. Yep. And Felix, our panel operator, is certainly computer generated. I mean, that is just CGI to the max. <laughs> Don't glitch at me, Felix. Don't glitch at me. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> and and where is the Flat Earth Society based? New Zealand? 
<laughs> I think it's an American thing. Americans love to jump on the. Uh, I, I don't know. I you know, th- there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. But you know, you usually ask those people, "Can you name one thing that's happened in the world that isn't a conspiracy?" And they normally can't. So <laughs> usually, just looking at everything is a problem. Your mum. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. But you know, are you guys okay with coming from a country that doesn't exist to some people? They think we're all actors, computer generated. Are you okay with not being Australian in their eyes? Look, I was in a. a a gig once in Chicago it was mm. a blues venue and I was chatting to one of the performers one of the musicians I think he was the bass player from Magic Slim in the Teardrops and we were in the bathroom together mm, yep. sorry you dropped something I oh, know and uh, may you rest in peace Magic Slim what a blues legend yeah and the guy was chatting to me and he goes well, where are you from and I said Australia and he goes we played there last summer and I said fantastic Austria <laughs> <laughs> so I think Australians are really used to it you're on Triple M's The Back Row. Triple M's The Back Row with A.H. Chris and Rose. We're now living in a world where the words casting couch don't even begin to describe the situation. <laughs> oh, Chris. All, all, all I can say is in next year's Pro funny. Baby Racing League, you won't see any babies named Harvey, I don't think. <laughs> so, That's so, not funny. Oh, sorry. So, anyway, so the Socceroos <laughs> talking about football... Scraped in by the skin of their teeth against Syria 2-1 to one mm. out at the Homebush Arena earlier in the week. Yeah. And uh, you've got a little bit of uh, gossip coming out of that game, Rose. Yeah, well, the, the main goal scorer on the 2-1 win over uh, for the Socceroos was Timmy Cahill. We, we all love Timmy Cahill, but uh, something he did a little uniquely. Now, we all know that when Tim Cahill scores a goal, what he usually does is run to the corner post and give it a couple Punch punches, it. right? Yep. That's his kind of his, his, his gimmick. Uh, this week, he did it. He did a T instead. He threw up a T when he scored a goal. And it's apparently to do with some one of his new sponsors or something. It's a travel company or something. And some people uh-huh. are very, very unhappy about this. How do you guys feel about like using sponsorships in celebrations for goals and sport and stuff like that? Uh, Oh, oh, see, I find my, here's the thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't like sort of, you know, the gambling advertising and everything in sports. I think we're sort of going too far with sponsorships and everything as, yeah. as they relate to the viewer watching it. But then by the same token, people being outraged about it, I just want to be like, oh God, get over it. So I'm somewhere in the middle and I think my get over it is purely just because I'm a bit tired of outrage. Right. Um, so in conclusion, I don't know. I'm going to wheel away from the microphone now. <laughs> Politics and sport, they mix. Commercialism and sport, they also mix. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, Tim might be in a bit of hot water, but not as much hot water as the entire Socceroo team because I've got to play their first leg over in Honduras. Oh, it's hot up there. Sounds lovely. Well, they're playing at Estadio Olimpica Metropolitano. I said that again. You did that perfectly. Thank you. Estadio <laughs> Olimpico Metropolitano. It's lovely. In the, the town of San Pedro Sula in early November, uh, a pundit has described what it's like to play in Honduras. They set you up in the jungle. You're 2,000 metres high. The air conditioning never works in the hotel. You can't close the windows. There are mosquitoes everywhere. That sounds great. There's noise outside the hotel. People stay on the streets the entire night, drumming and trumpeting, whatever. And then the games, there are reckless tackles. That sounds like a trip to play the North Queensland Cowboys. Sounds like an episode of Survivor. (laughs) That sounds to me a lot like a a tricky trick. You know, we were talking on a previous episode and someone rang in and said, well, the Canberra Raiders, what they used to do was make the uh, 
the uh, locker room for the away team too hot. Right. So right. that when they run out, they got yep. cramps immediately in the cold. That surely that had, there has to be some kind of tactic behind mm. this. If they have like world class teams coming, they must have had yeah. world class funding in some way, right? I wouldn't think so. I think that's the real challenge for the Socceroos because this is a tough one. They've got to go over to Honduras and win these games to get into the World Cup. It's the eighty percent humidity that really gets me. I mean, that is that, how do you play football at eighty percent humidity? That's oh, just a swimming pool. It's crazy. You need your trunks. You played it in ice fest, I think. <laughs> you at home, you didn't see it, but he like bobbed up as he Ooh, said trunks, and it your, really put, tickled me. Put your togs on, kids. And, <laughs> and of course, apart from the privations associated with the game itself and the accommodations and all the other paraphernalia, there is the slightly uneasy aspect around that. For some time, San Pedro Sula has been known as the murder capital of the world. As, yeah, right. Okay. But recently... <laughs> really? So yes, that's right. Like, three homicides I, per day. If I was living in 80% humidity, I'd probably murder Whoa. someone as well. Three a day. Three a day? Yeah, nice. but the, you, well, depending on which way you look at it, the good news is, is that Caracas, Venezuela has taken over as the murder capital of the world, which has sent panic waves... <laughs> Through the Honduras Tourism Authority because, yeah. you know, they've got to come up with a new tagline for San Pedro Sula. <laughs> so these are all the challenges that will be faced by our boys. Hopefully they do well enough and then come back and get it done yes. out there at ANZ later November. Go the Socceroos. Go on, boys. You're on Triple M's The Back Row. You two's You're the Best Thing About Me on Triple M's The Back Row with A.H. Chris and Rose. That's mm. something that we always feel that we want to say to our Back Rowers of the Week, don't you reckon? <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> back Rower of the Week. <laughs> I'm going to kick off for our final Back Row of the Week for 2017. Guys, Rose, I'm taking one of your guys. Oh, really? I'm taking Ron Palmer. Oh! On the back of the announcement that Ronnie has been announced as a new trainer with the West Tigers and Ivan Cleary's bus in season 2018. Mm. I did a little bit of uh, research about Ron, and he's known in some circles as 40-20 because he's said to have the head of a 40-year-old and the body of a (laughs) 20-year-old. Except now at the age of 64, they're calling him (laughs) 60-20. But he was known as the Balmain Charmer, Ronnie Palmer, played five seasons and 35 first-grade games first grade games for the Tigers since 1971 became qualified as a PE teacher and since then has just done marvellous work for the Roosters the Blues the Penny Panthers Mm. Ronnie Palmer you're my final back rower of the week my back rower of the week this week is uh, an icon of the inner west if anyone's ever been to the friend in hand pub in Glebe they Mm -hmm. have a cockatoo there called George George is famous anyone who's had a drink there knows George well this week, the uh, the owner, uh, Mr. Byrne. Excellent. I forgot to write down his first name. <laughs> what's your, what's your um, first name, Mr. Burns? I don't I, know. I, speci- <laughs> I specifically said no geeks. <laughs> his name's Michael. Thanks for filling the time in, guys. No the worries. owner, Michael Byrne, he was, they, were, they were looking around for George because George had been missing for ages, and, and there's a lot of knickknacks in that pub. They went around everywhere. Finally, they found out that George had been nesting because George had laid an egg. After 10 years, Uh-oh. they finally find out that George... I, I hesitate to add, or I hasten to add, not a fertilizer. Egg. George hasn't been gotcha. rooted right. or anything, but um, <laughs> but it turns out George is actually a female bird, and they've decided to call George Georgina, which I think is a bit silly because George is a girl's name. George can be a girl's name; it's fine. But here's the bit that really tickled me about this story: 
While the news came, I'm reading from the Daily Telegraph, while the news came as a shock to Mr Byrne and his staff, it's not the first time this has happened. He had another bird called Joe mm-hmm. that turned out to also be a woman. They found out, uh, a woman, sorry, a female, uh, when it was pregnant. Right. And they changed his name to Josephine. And the reasoning he gives, he says, it's a mystery as to how this has happened again, but maybe Georgina has had a friendship with a male. Uh, and then said, the bird, oh, hang on, where are we going? Anyway... <laughs> Oh, I did. She did copper root. I should have been reading this properly. Mr. Byrne said he was convinced the bird was a male, as the males are normally far chattier than the females. So I think now, two out of two situations, he needs to um, just get his understanding no, of gender out. It's not, yeah, it's him. He's just it's going, him. these are boy birds. These are boys. Cool. He's just terrible at telling the sex of a bird. Well, it's kind it. of like how all dogs are boys and all cats are girls. I right. think he's done this with the cockatoo. It's, right. it's true, though. Against popular conception, males are chattier than the females, and they often found this out at things like that old quaint idea of dinner parties but who mm-hmm. does the research on that I mean how are they doing it are they in the pot plant or what glass on the door yeah. in the as other very, room as a very Lip mouthy reading. broad I would argue that men aren't chattier it's just through you know growing up socialisation women are encouraged to speak less oh right oh, interesting. which is why I have spent a minute 23 stumbling saying. through a convo about George yeah. the Cockatoo yeah. sorry I forced we're, you to do that we're changing it one back row of a time your back row of the week Rose my back row of the week Chris is a a young German shepherd puppy named Gavel. Gavel was hired to be a police dog, but he was fired in his first week because he did not display the necessary aptitude for a life on the front line. Gavel oh. was too sociable. The dog was too nice. It was too good. Instead of doing his job as a police dog, it was just being friendly. So after months oh. of training, his career, his career in law enforcement was over. However, as one door closes, another opens, and Gavel was offered a new job working for the Governor of Queensland, where he holds the official title of Vice Regal Dog, where he uh, greets the visitors and is very nice to him. Great story, except they have to make the dog wear a Queenslander scarf, which I think is animal abuse in my books. The RSPCA onto that one. Yeah, Gavel, my back rower. I think we'll see Gavel at Origin next year. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the Queensland will take everything. Look, that brings us to the end of our show. Normally, final thoughts. We're turning our final thoughts into final thanks. Mm. Quickly, from a personal point of view, I just want to thank Bags Marshall, of course. Bags. Bagsy. <laughs> For the encouragement and support we've been provided by Jamie, Jackie, Lee, and the Triple M team, yeah. it's been absolutely fantastic for them to have us, tolerate us. Yeah, it's been really good for them. I'm sure they've yeah. enjoyed it. Or not gives a rats, as it says in the opening credits. <laughs> to all our guests and all our callers, it's been terrific. Our families. Mm. And then particularly Lockie Jordan and someone across from us called Felix. Never Ford. heard of him. Never heard of him. Producing and panelists every week has been, Felix, you've been an absolute godsend. Yeah. Oh, Stop it, you'll make me blush. Yeah. You'll make me blush. Yeah. Good job, Phoenix. And you're off, you're off the leash now. Woohoo, Sunday night bender. <laughs> Could we? And AH yeah, and Rose. It's been an honour and a privilege to fly the ship with you. Well, it's no, been I've... a privilege to work with you too. <laughs> it's an honour just to be nominated. Oh, it's been great. I mean, this this is it. This, we're wrapping up the Sunday night show, but uh, I don't think this is the end. We'll, we'll appear somewhere at some time, I think. We may well be back at Do you know what? Bugger it. I'm just going to announce it. We're the new grill team. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see us out the front of the Triple M building on any given evening busking for money. This has been Triple M's The Back Row. Have a great rest of 2017. Good job, guys.